You're listening to the Grace Church Podcast, a weekly podcast dedicated to bringing you biblical guidance to life's most important issues. We want to thank you for joining us for this week's message. We pray you find strength and encouragement as we learn from God's truth together. For more information, go to visitgracechurch.com. What's up, Grace Church? It's good to see you guys. My name is Kent. I serve as the pastor for the Olathe campus of Grace Church and love doing so. Love being in the gathering of Jesus followers uh, like this. You know, it was about a year, maybe a year and a half ago, I uh, invited my neighbor to come to church. And uh, they did. They came at a time that I didn't realize they showed up. They just came and and uh, I didn't know that they'd, they'd actually visited church. And I saw them later after that, that week and and they said, hey, I visited your church. I'm like, oh, great. You know, what, what'd you think? And then they proceeded to give me kind of a rundown of the service. Like, well, you know, uh, you had 20, 25 minutes of singing, uh, followed by a 30-minute speech. And then there were like, you know, a few minutes of announcements. Okay, well, then that's great. Um, and before I could ask questions like, well, you know, did you take anything away? Were you encouraged? Were you inspired? Were you blessed? Were you angered? I mean, what? before I could say any of that, they said, what's up with all the singing? And, uh, and I thought about that. And I thought, great question. You know, I mean, for someone and this person, they're not a religious person. They're not a church going person. So for them, that was an odd thing. Uh, to come to a gathering where they spent the first 20 to 25 minutes singing. Not too many gatherings that we, we do that at. And it's not just the singing. It's kind of the songs that we sing. They're foreign. Uh, if you're not used to them, you don't know what they're about. You've never heard them before. It's just kind of an odd thing. And the way we sing, right? So it's, you know, there's hand gestures involved that, you know, who gets, what's happening with that? And then what's, what's up with the lyrics? Why are you guys always singing about blood? I mean, why, why so much blood in the songs? Uh, so I can understand if you're not a church going person and maybe you're here today and, uh, this is your first time at church. Maybe this is, you've been invited by someone and this is your first church experience being in a gathering like this. Uh, or maybe you haven't been coming for a long time and you're still trying to figure out what is the deal with all the singing. Uh, those of us who gather like this on a regular basis, we call the singing praise and worship. These are songs that we sing to the God that we believe in, that we believe created us, that we believe loves us, that we love, uh, we believe has given us grace and mercy and kindness and, and all these things. So we sing songs to this God to elevate him or praise him. Um, and that's what this singing is all about. That's what we call it. But even those of us who are Jesus followers, sometimes we struggle with this idea of praise. In fact, some of us, we just avoid it altogether. Uh, you know, during the singing, uh, we conveniently grab that extra cup of coffee or we conveniently hit the bathroom one more time or, or extend that conversation in the lobby or the hallway. And then we come in when the real part of the service begins. So even Jesus followers can kind of struggle with the idea of the singing. I have a, I have a friend who has been a Jesus follower for some time. They've been coming to a church for a long time. So they're familiar with these gatherings. They love singing. They love singing praise. Um, but they said, they told me that when they hear the word praise, this is the image that comes into their mind. And they get a picture of a church auditorium that's completely covered in beige carpet. 
I think this is like a 90, early 90s, mid 90s childhood flashback, but completely covered in beige carpet. There's stairs going up to the stage, all covered in beige carpet. There's this uh, row of lights toward the back of the stage and those can lights that have that, that film you put over the light, you know, like blue, yellow, red, green. They're all popping and flashing. The stage is filled with musicians and singers. They're all wearing pastel colored clothing and they're being led by a woman in a, in a flowery dress who's jumping up and down singing, celebrate Jesus, celebrate. No, not, not familiar with that one. YouTube it, man. It'll change your life. But that's his image. I mean, that's what they get when they, when they hear the word praise, that's what, and they love praise and they love singing. So regardless of your background, uh, you may be asking the same question that my neighbor asked, what's up with all the singing, whether you're a Jesus follower or not. Now, last week we began a series called From the Heart, and uh, Russell kicked us off last week, and he talked about uh, this idea of praise and who we are praising, this God that we praise. And today we want to try to define what praise is all about uh, through Scripture from a biblical perspective, uh, specifically from the book of Psalms. And regardless of your background, regardless of your experiences, uh, if you're here and you're asking what's up with all the singing, we hope to, to answer that question for you today. Now, here's the thought I want you to keep in mind as we, we walk through this, and that's this. Praise is more than a woman in a flowery dress. Now, if you're here today and you're a woman and you're in a flowery dress, please don't be offended. That was not my image. That was somebody else. I'm just telling you a story. So let's pray. And let's ask the Lord to lead us as we get into the message today. Father, uh, we, we do need you. We need you to open up our eyes. We need you to help us understand uh, what praise is really all about. God, we need you to help us um, to understand how that applies in our life and what that means to you and what that can mean to the community that we're trying to reach uh, with the love of Jesus. So uh, each one of us have come in here today with some needs in our heart. Uh, God, I pray that you would meet each one of us right where we're at, that you'd speak to us, and you'd make clear your truth uh, so that you can change us and, and make us uh, your glory in this world. So we just ask you to do all of that now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So uh, you may have figured this out, out already, but we're going to be in Psalm 150 today. So whether you have an old school actual Bible or you have a mobile device, you can go to Psalm 150. We're going to walk through that chapter today. Uh, in the book of Psalms, you're going to find some 189 times you're going to see the word praise, praising, some form of it, praise, praising, praise, praises. Uh, but in the collection that we have in our Bible called the Psalms, these are just a collection of Hebrew poetry written by several different authors. But in that collection, you're going to find the word praise in some form 189 times. In the Psalm that we're looking at today, Psalm 150, you're going to see that word 13 times in these six short verses that we're going to look at. Praise, praise the Lord. And in fact, Psalm 150, along with all of the final five chapters in the book of Psalms, so Psalm 145 to 150, they all begin and end with the phrase, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Now, this is a English trans, tr translation of a Hebrew word. It's actually two Hebrew words that are put together. One is halal, pra uh, praise, halal, and then the second, yah, the Lord, Yahweh. 
Hallelujah. That's how we say it. Hallelujah. That is the English, that's the Hebrew word that's translated into praise the Lord. And that word, hallelujah, simply means to give praise to God or give glory or to shine forth the glory of God or, or to uh, celebrate or make a rave, make a boast, make God famous. Celebrate Yah. That's what the word means. Praise the Lord. So let's look at Psalm 150 and let's see if we can discover what praise is really all about. And the first thing I want you to notice is this, that praise is a directive. Praise is a directive. Look at verse number one. It says, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heavens. Praise the Lord. Praise God. Praise him. These are directive statements. These aren't suggestions. This isn't, the author isn't offering up a recommendation like, hey, you know, if you like praise, if it's your thing, you know, maybe you should try it out. That's, that's not what he's saying. This is a directive statement. God worshipers, if you're here and you're a follower of Jesus, you are given a directive to praise the Lord. Now, I know that may seem a little self-serving. You know, you're thinking on, on God's part anyway, like is God so low on self-esteem that he has to command or direct his creation to praise him? Well, directives aren't always a bad thing if you understand the, the why behind the what. Now, God's got some pretty good whys behind the what, this directive to praise him. There's some pretty good whys. And one reason is this, for recognition and gratitude, recognition of who God is, that he is God, that, that he's the creator and we're the created. He's God, we're not. It's a recognition that God sits in the heaven. He's above all things. His thoughts are above ours. He sits on a throne. He's reigning over the universe. He's in charge. It's a recognition. It's also gratitude. Thank you, God. Thank you for creating me. Thank you for giving me life. Thank you for letting me experience the good things of your good world. So it's recognition and gratitude, which require humility. Those things require humility, which when we are, when we find ourselves in a place of humility, we're finding ourselves in a place that God can bless us because the Bible says this in the book of James says that God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And we find ourselves in a a position of humility. We're finding ourselves in a position to receive God's grace, which all of us need to be transformed and to live the life that God's calling us to live. Praise is positioning you to be blessed. That's why the directive. Another reason is this. Praise aligns our focus on heavenly things. Because too often we're focused on the horizontal. We're focused on the things going on in our life. Tragedy, stuff, hardship, relationships that are gone wrong. The news that is always bad. Praise gets your eyes off of this and gets your eyes focused up here on reality, on God, the one who's above it all, the one who's ceasing. And we get a different perspective. We get a heavenly perspective. Because the book of Colossians says to set your affections on things above and not on the things of this earth. So this directive shapes our perspective. And one of the reasons this is because God knows the profound effect that praise can have on our lives. See, praise is a way to connect with God on a relational level. It's a way to engage with him on a relational level. And I realize that, that all of us engage with God in deep or intimate ways differently. 
And some of you, you connect with God uh, in deep ways, uh, more on an intellectual level. You like to study scripture or you like to, you know, read and really dig in. And when you're studying the Bible, that's when you feel like, man, I'm most connected with God. And I feel most relationally by, bought into him. Or maybe it's uh, serving. You love to be Jesus in this world to other people and you like to serve or, or maybe you like to see the justice of God being uh, meted out into this world. And so that's when you feel most connected with God. Some of you are, you're more contemplative or enthusiastic. And so praise is right in your wheelhouse. I mean, praise is, you love the praise because you really feel relationally connected with God. Well, that's good because that's the way God designed praise. Now, regardless of how you're wired to worship, praise is for all of us. And for us to say or make a statement like, hey, you know what? Praise just isn't really my thing. Well, for a God worshiper or Jesus follower to say something like that is akin to saying, you know what? Prayer isn't really my thing. Now, I'm a Jesus follower, but the Bible, eh, not my thing. Leading people to Jesus and showing them how to have a relationship with him. You know what? Making disciples, that's, that's really not my thing. I am a God worshiper, though. If you're a follower of Jesus, if you're a God worshiper, praise is your thing. It is your thing. We've been directed to give praise to God because praise is a God-ordained method to bring us close to him. Much like prayer, much like the word of God, much like our serving God, it is a mechanism that God has given us, a gift by which we can come close to God. And in proximity, closeness to God is where transformation occurs. We are changed into the image of God, not by what we do from the outside in, not by trying really hard. We're changed into the image of God when we come close to him. And he begins to transform us from the inside out. And praise is a God-ordained mechanism to bring us close to God so he can transform us and change us. It's a directive. And he also says this. He says, praise God in the sanctuary. Praise him in the sanctuary. And that refers to the presence of God. That's referring to his presence. Now, specifically, it's alluding to the temple. In the Old Testament, God worshipers, God's people, they would come to this place called the temple and they would bring offerings of worship and sacrifice. They would also bring offerings of praise. God actually uh, gifted musicians and singers who would be there, who would lead the people in offering a sacrifice of praise to God. And so they would come to this place and he says, uh, this is where, now, now, by the way, the temple wasn't holy. All right. What made the temple holy was the presence of God in the temple. That word sanctuary means set apart place or sanctified place or holy place. Praise God in the sanctuary. It's not about the building. This this building isn't holy. The gathering that's here is what makes it holy because God is present with us. See, as Jesus followers, if you're a follower of Jesus, you are bringing the presence of God to the gathering with you. And, the, and Jesus himself said, when two or three of you are gathered together in my name, there I am in the midst of you. And what makes this a sanctuary is not the space that we're in, but the people who are here and the presence of God that's with us. Praise him in the sanctuary. What's up with all the singing? Why is the church doing all the singing? Oh, we're just following the directive to praise God in his sanctuary. That's all. Praise him in his mighty heavens means to praise him to the utmost limits of his power from the sanctuary, from the gathering to his heavens. All in all, God is to be praised. Do you realize that praise 
is a foreshadowing of what's yet to come for the gathering of God worshipers. Those past, present, and future. One day we're going to be gathered in the sanctuary where the presence of God is. A place called heaven. And every nation, every tongue, every tribe are going to be gathered praising God together. That's heaven. And you can rarely find a description of heaven in scripture that doesn't have praise associated with it or singing associated with it. Listen, if praise isn't your thing, can I just tell you, heaven may not be your thing. You might not like it because there's some praise going on up in there. Praise him in his mighty heavens. See, praise is more than a woman in a flowery dress. Praise is a directive that brings us to a place of humility for blessing and transformation. Praise is also a response to God. Praise is a response to God. Look at verse number two. It says, praise him for his mighty deeds. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Praise him for his mighty deeds. Now, mighty deeds, we can look at this in kind of two ways, kind of on a macro level, right? A common grace. God has done mighty deeds for all of creation. In fact, creation itself is a mighty deed. Uh, last week I was in Colorado. My wife and I were on vacation and I'm, I'm on a lake. I've got mountains surrounding me. The sun shining on me. There's no humidity. Praise God. And, and, and we we're just enjoying, and I was praising God. I'm like, man, God, well done. Good job on the mountains and stuff. That was awesome. You know, um, the common grace of love. We get to experience love or, or relationships that are good or, or food. Way to go, God. Food is good. Thank you. Um, I mean, so there's, there's a macro level, common grace, mighty deeds that God has done for all of us. But, but then there's specific mighty deeds that God has done in each of our individual lives. And if you're here and you identify as a Jesus follower, then you've had some mighty deeds done in your life. You've had a mighty deed of forgiveness and acceptance and you've been, all of your sins have been washed away. You've been given a hope uh, in, in heaven one day. You've been taken from darkness to light. God has done some mighty deeds in your life. And you've had some specific grace. Now, all of that can be embodied in what we call the gospel. The mighty deeds of God can be wrapped up in just this one thing called the gospel. And that's this, that God sent his son into the world to pay the price for our sin that we could not pay. He lived this perfect life that we were created to live, but couldn't. And then he died this horrible death that we deserve to die, but don't have to because he did it for us. And then he was, he was buried. He rose again from the dead. He conquered sin and death for everyone so that anyone who wants to experience eternal life in a relationship with God need only to put their faith in Jesus Christ. That is the ultimate mighty deed of God that he's done for all of us. Now, I want you to think of it in these terms. Think of a scale. Now, on one side, it's like the scales of justice, right? So on one side of the scale, you've got the mighty deeds of God in your life. I just want to think about your life, the mighty deeds of God specifically to you. And if you're here and you're thinking, you know what? Uh, I can't think of any mighty deeds of God's done. My life has stunk from as long as I can remember till now. And, I, and it's just been one tragedy after the next, after the next. Okay, okay. I understand that. I'm not, I'm not negating that at all. I, but let's just think about this then. The one mighty deed that God did for you, the one I just mentioned, that God loves you so much. John three sixteen. God so loved the world. God so loved you specifically that he gave his only son. 
that if you believe in him, you will not perish, but you will have everlasting life. He loves you enough that he wants a relationship with you. He wanted it so much that he died for you. How about just that one mighty deed? Even if that's not maybe been the experience of your life yet. Now, others of you, you've experienced that mighty deed and then tons on top of it, right? It's like the pumpkin pie with lots of cool whip. And it's been piling on, right? For years and years, you've been experiencing this. Now, on the other side of the scale, I want you to imagine your praise. Now, think about it. Is your praise according to the excellence of God's greatness? Because that phrase means that our praise is supposed to measure up to the magnitude of God's excellent greatness in our life. Do they measure up? Are they balanced? No is the answer to that question. Absolutely not. What's going in your mind is the truth. No, it does not measure up. That, that, you, there's no way. And I know some of you are like, well, that's impossible. I mean, how could our, our praise ever measure up to the excellent greatness of God? Around? Exactly. That's the point. It could never measure up to the greatness that God has displayed in our life. Our praise could never get there. Isn't that why we should praise him? Isn't that why we should be going out of our, our way to praise God for all of his excellent greatness that there's no way we could ever measure up to pray? Let's put this in a human level. Like if, if someone does a good deed for your life, right? They, it might not be, maybe they, they offer you a piece of gum. That's not a mighty deed, but it's a good one. And thank you. Thank you for that piece of gum. Now our, our response to that is a measure to the deed that was done, right? But what if someone comes along and your car, your car quits on you, you die, stick a fork in it, it's done, but you don't have money to buy another car. And someone comes along and says, here, take my car. You can have it. It's free. I would suppose our response to that might be a little different than the stick of gum. It might be in measure toward the the gift that was given. Or if you find yourself in a situation where you're homeless and someone says, you know what? You can come live with me. No, no charge. You can eat my food. It's okay. I would imagine our response and gratitude and praise might be in measure a little more than that. You know, both those things have happened to me. Now, my gratitude and praise could never measure up to the gift that was given me. But you know what? I sure did try. I sure did try to give them praise for what they'd done according to the excellent greatness that had been shown to me. If you're a Jesus follower, you are redeemed. You are accepted. You are loved. You've been given unconditional love. You've got a hope in heaven one day. You've got a, you've got the spirit of God living in you. You've got a God who's loving you and, and walking with you day by day. You've got much to give praise for. There's much excellent greatness going on in your life. We, as Jesus fathers, when we gather together, should not our gatherings be the most raucous party in town? I mean, should not we be the loudest place in the community? Why aren't we? Why aren't we? What's stopping us? What's hindering our praise to the God who's shown such excellent greatness in our life? See, this psalmist, the one who wrote this psalm, the author, he thought that too. He thought, yeah, it should be, it should be a party up in here. In fact, he said, anything you can grab onto, any instrument you can get your hands on, praise God with it. See, because praise is more than just a woman in a flowery dress. Praise is a directive. Praise is an accurate response to God. And then praise finally is 
a passionate performance. Praise is a passionate performance. Check out these next three verses, starting verse number three. It says, praise him with trumpet sound. Now that's not trumpet like we know, but trumpet like a horn, like a ram's horn, that kind of thing. Praise him with trumpet sound. Praise him with lute. This is a combination of a violin and a guitar that they had. Uh, Praise him with the lute. Praise him with a harp. That's exactly what you're thinking, except not the stand-up harp. It's this kind of harp. Uh, Praise him. Oh gosh. Praise him. With tambourine and dance. That is exactly what you're thinking. Chicka 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 chicka. You know it. That requires some passion, right? There's a passionate performance in that. Praise him with tambourine and dance. Praise him with strings. That's any stringed instrument. Praise him with pipe. That's like a flute or, you know, uh, praise. Oh, here we go. Praise him with sounding cymbals. Praise him with loud clashing cymbals. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. God likes to be praised with music and he likes it loud. Crank it to 11. Turn it up. Now, I realize some of you struggle. You've got ear sensitivity. My wife, in fact, wears hearing aids, so sometimes that's a difficulty for her. That's why at all of our locations, we give out hearing uh, or uh, earplugs so that if it's, if it's a bother to you, you know, you can put those in and you, you'll be covered. But listen, God wants to be praised with music. In fact, that is one of God's common graces to mankind, music. It's a product of the mind and the heart of God, and he's given it to mankind, and it's wonderful. Isn't music wonderful? It's this beautiful thing, and it motivates us. It encourages us. It affects our soul, even on a subconscious level. I mean, music gets into us. In fact, it creates involuntary motion. Like we're, you know, you hear a song, and you just something starts happening. You don't even know you're doing this. In fact, my, my human Spotify in our office, our praise director, Mitchell, uh, you know, I can walk by that dude and hum a song. Just hum something that I know he knows. A minute later, he's singing that song. I planted it into his heart and he knows it and it came out of him. And he didn't even realize it happened. Music affects us and it's designed by God to completely encapsulate us. Music that gives praise and worship to God is something that draws us in and encapsulates us in complete completely in him. God wants to be praised with music. Look what it says uh, in the next verse, verse number six, let everything that has breath praise the Lord, praise the Lord. There's the vocals. We had a full band. Now we got the vocals. Well, Kent, um, singing, that isn't really my thing. You know, we're told specifically this phrase, sing praises 25 times in the book of Psalms, sing praises, sing praises, sing praises. Well, singing isn't really my thing. Well, okay. Yeah. You may not be one of the ones that God has gifted with the gift of singing to lead others to sing, but do you have breath? Oh, then what's our directive? Oh, praise the Lord. Sing praises. Oh man. Yeah. I sing terrible. I'm messing up my entire row out there. I said, just, I'm jacking everybody up, but I don't care because I'm, I'm, I'm pleasing the Lord with my loud singing awful as it may be. Now I realize that passion has different levels. We all display our passion in different ways. And some of us are very animated and we talk with our hands and we, don't you hate people like that? Just to flailing around all the time. Anyway. Uh, and, but some of us are very stoic and we just, you know, we're, we're, we're rational minded. We don't show a lot of emotion. That's okay. That's we're wired that way. That's good. Right. But all of us have something that we're passionate about. 
All of us do, whether that's a 10 pound bass that you caught, whether it's that pair of shoes that you finally found and they're on sale. I mean, whatever it is, you're passionate about it. The most stoic of us have something in our lives that we get animated about and get excited about that we do a little bit of a woo, even that much. Woo. Now, does God get at least that level of passion when it comes to praise? Does he get at least that level of passion? What's getting more of our passionate performance of praise than God? You know, I, I uh, am a proud member of the Chiefs kingdom. I have been a Kansas City Chiefs fan since birth, uh, product of good parenting, I guess. But, um, you know, um, but I, you know, so when I, and I used to do this a lot more than I do now, but I used to go to the gathering of Chiefs followers and over there at one Arrowhead Drive. And we would, we would gather together and I would go in knowing that there, there is going to be a passionate performance of praise going down here for the next three hours. In fact, I would leave there most times without a voice because I had been screaming at the top of my lungs for three straight hours. I've been gathered with the chief's followers for the glory of the chief's kingdom. And, and I've been listening to the voice in the sky, following whatever directive they're giving me, sing this, do this, jump, don't, don't sit down, jump, Whoa! doing it all. I'm doing ceremonial chants with arm movements and just in it. I am awkwardly high-fiving and fist-bumping people I don't even know. In fact, I have had full-on embraces. I'm not talking about a bro hug, you know, hey, hey, bro. I'm talking about full-on grabbing, jumping up and down <laughs> for more than like 10 seconds, which is weird, with a complete stranger. I don't even know this person. Why? Because my blessed chiefs have taken an inflated piece of leather and they crossed the line on a grass field to advance the Chiefs' kingdom even closer to the Super Bowl. Woo! Now that's ridiculous. It's just silly. It's, I know it is. But you know what? I don't think God's mad. I think God delights in what his kids delight in. I think he's, he's when I, I do, with my sons, when they're delighting in something and they're enjoying something, as long as it's not sin... I'm, I'm delighting with them. I'm glad that they're glad. When my grandkids are rolling around and being silly and screaming and belly laughing, I mean, I delight in that. I think God delights when his kids delight. But how extraordinarily bummed he must be at my lack of passionate praise when I gather with the Jesus followers here at Grace Church Gathering around something as meaningful as God's kingdom and the advancement of God's kingdom in this world and celebrating the excellent greatness of his mighty deeds in our life. Why am I not leaving here without a voice? My fear is that we've cheated God out of the praise that he deserves. And in doing so, we've, we've cheated ourselves out of some life-transforming power that we could be experiencing. Now, we're going to wrap up our time here responding to God in praise. But before we do that, I just want to take a moment. And I want us to consider, if we're not free in our praise, if we're not praising God with fullness of heart, fullness of throat, 
to whatever level of animation and excitement and, and passion that is in us, why aren't we? Let's ask the Lord that. Lord, what is it, what's the sticking point in me? What's causing me to not be free in my praise toward you? Is there, is there sin? Is it a wound that I'm dealing with and struggling with? Is there something? I've, is it a resentment against you in some way? What is it? Ask the Lord to reveal that to you so it can get surfaced. So you can either confess it, you can get it nailed to the cross, you can be done with it, and you can praise in freedom and fullness. Maybe the sticking point for you is you don't know God. You have nothing to praise him for because you've not experienced his forgiveness and his love and his acceptance. You've never asked the Lord to come into your life and to save you and to become part of God's family. Well, maybe that's how you need to respond. In this moment, just tell the Lord, Lord, I... I believe in you. I know that I've sinned, but I believe that Jesus Christ is the payment for my sin, and I want to accept that payment for myself. And I'm asking you to save me. I want to follow you with my life, and I want to be able to praise you today like I've never praised you before. Would you pray with me? Father, we love you. And God, we thank you for the gift of praise, and we thank you for the the mighty deeds and the the excellent things that you've done in our lives. And God, I realize that there are some here who are struggling with that right now, struggling with how to praise you and and what's the sticking point. God, I pray that you reveal it for them. For those who don't know you, I pray, God, that you would reveal your great love and let them know that your desire is to have a relationship with them and you can start it right now. And so, God, we pray that you do the work that you need to do in this room as only you can. Thank you for listening to this week's message. If you have questions or would like to contact us for prayer, please email us at info at visitgracechurch.com. For more information about our ministries, location, and service times, go to visitgracechurch.com.